We face a complex challenge here in La Mesa that does not have a clear, easy solution. If you have paid attention to past city council meetings, you may have heard some of the ideas offered there. From repurposing an old motel to shipping people off to the small community of Campo, we've heard it all. How will we address our homeless population? Hi, I'm Eddie Gomez, and this is Table Talk, a podcast about our hometown of La Mesa. Today, we are joined by a community member who, amongst many other personal accomplishments, has devoted much of their time to homeless advocacy and outreach, and is the coordinator for the East County Homeless Task Force, Bonnie Baranoff. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today, Bonnie. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Thanks. So let's get things started with a rundown of where we stand on this issue here in La Mesa. In February of 2021, City Council voted to enact the Homeless Action Plan. This plan focuses on homelessness prevention, providing outreach and mental health services, and supports transitional and permanent housing needs in East County. Based on past and current point-in-time counts of homeless individuals in La Mesa, we have seen a decrease in our homeless population from 52 in 2020 to 36 at the beginning of 2023. Can you give us any insights as to how or why we were able to effectively lower this number? No, thanks. Thanks, Manny. It's a great question. And the the annual point in time count is just that. It's literally counting people that are unsheltered on the streets or that we know are sheltered in emergency shelters, for example, between a few hours on one morning on one day a year. The decrease from 2022 to 23 doesn't have anything to do with us having emergency shelter in La Mesa. We still don't have that, but it probably has a lot to do with a couple of factors. One of them, getting back to the point in time count, is it starts at 4 a.m. on a Thursday morning in January. It's usually very cold, and what happens is some people are able to get together with other people and you know scrounge up enough money to get a motel or they've found somewhere to stay or it can even be that we just we have a lot of volunteers i'm very happy with la mesa we usually sellouts not the great way to say it but our volunteers it snaps up and closes really quick with the point in time count we have great volunteers here in la mesa that want to participate but you just don't find everybody so 52 to 36 there's there's part of that but i also think part of the decrease is from la mesa has something called the home program and that's the homeless outreach and mobile engagement team and these are two people that work for the la mesa police department but they're not police officers themselves they are two people that are trained to do outreach one person is a licensed outreach person the other one's a clinical social worker they're doing something called progressive engagement. Monday through Friday, nine to five, they'll tell you it's bankers hours. And they're meeting, talking to, listening to, and working to provide services for our unhoused residents in La Mesa. It can take months for somebody to be ready to accept the help that's out there for them. But the home team has been very successful in getting people off the streets of La Mesa and into emergency shelter, transitional housing, and permanent housing. 
Yeah, so let's delve a little bit deeper into the home program, which Mesa did launch. And this initiative does, as you kind of mentioned, aim to bridge the gap between individuals experiencing homelessness and available county services and maybe making those people aware of what services they have available to them. And this program was inspired by the successful CAHOOTS program in Eugene, Oregon, and home clinicians dedicate their day to a range of activities. First, they respond to non-emergency calls related to homelessness routed through the 911 system. As an alternative to involving the police department, residents can also utilize the home hotline or email the home team, allowing clinicians to follow up on requests and concerns. Uh, additionally, home clinicians proactively engage with both known and unknown members of the homeless community, offering information and again facilitating access to county services that they may not have been aware of before. And this hands-on aspect involves what we call boots on the groundwork. This includes transporting homeless individuals to their appointments with housing agencies, or assisting them in obtaining a replacement identification card. The home program really exemplifies a, a holistic approach to addressing homelessness in our community. In regards to that, Bonnie, what can we do here in La Mesa to improve the effectiveness of the home program? Oh, well, thanks for that. I think if you know of or you suspect somebody is unhoused, you contact the home team and let them know. And I bet nine times out of 10, those guys are going to know who you're talking about already. So continue to use that. It helps the police department and the home program track calls coming in, how many people are out there. And we're actually hoping to see another home team come on board with the city of La Mesa. The home program, as you mentioned, is based on the CAHOOTS program out of Springfield in Eugene, Oregon. And I'm really proud of the fact that our Citizens Task Force on Homelessness made this recommendation as part of our Homeless Action Plan to City Council, and they approved it. And they went right away in, in looking at launching the home program here in our city. We're the only city in the county of San Diego that has a team like this. So we need more of them. We need more home program guys. And many people, we, we call them by, it's Matthew and Earl. They're well-known around town. They need help. And we need, you know, maybe uh, more hours if we get uh, nights and weekends would be wonderful. But just recently at our November 24th city council meeting, a um, item came up to it's kind of the way it has to work in government, but um, apply for funding so we could get another home team. And city council unanimously approved that. So it's not something that's going to happen overnight. We have to be, the city has to approve the funding and then they've got to find people and bring them on board. But fingers crossed that that will happen so we can get even more boots on the ground to help our unhoused neighbors. And also, you know, down the road, a big thing to get to keep people off the streets is to make sure that they don't get there in the first place. So prevention programs like housing assistance and getting, you know, more information about the resources that are available for people through the county, through the state, through the Fed. And just kind of to go back to the funding for the home program. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but is that in any way tied to funding for the police department or is that completely alone? Is that something that's standalone funding or does that go directly through the police department and those funds are allocated from the funding provided for the department? When the, the home program came on board, 
in it was approved in August of 2020, and I think they got it going in November 2020 with the pilot, was it was all grant funded, had nothing to do with the police department's regular budget. So it was something called PLHA funds through the state of California. It was funding that the city of La Mesa received for five years. So the initial team is funded for that period of time. Of course, they've already been here for three years now. So I think there's just ongoing reapplications for those funds and looking for other places for this funding to happen. So that's a challenge with grants is that whatever the agency is, you have to go back and keep, especially in the homeless spaces that you have to keep going back and reapplying for it. It's not something that's ongoing that, that you can count on. It's my understanding that it's all grant funded and it's separate from the regular police department budget. Now, having said that, that may change. And that's probably a great question for Chief Sweeney, our city manager. Yeah, thank you for that. Now, in, in regards to just the homeless people here in, in La Mesa, many of us have interactions with or pass by homeless community members every day. And in our busy lives, we probably don't take the time to get to know these people or dig into what brought them to the point of homelessness. And it's easy to assume the worst, drugs, alcohol, lack of responsibility, but there are much deeper reasons in most cases that lead people to a life on the streets. What are some of the most common misconceptions you have encountered related to homelessness and how people ended up in these situations? Oh, thanks. That's a great question, Manny. And you, you nailed it right there. There's many assumptions that all or most People that we see living on the streets have a substance abuse problem, whether it's drugs or alcohol, that they're mentally ill, that they don't want to work. They choose this lifestyle because, hey, you know, why should I bother to work when I can get all this stuff for free? Very common misconceptions. Also, that people move to California to take advantage of our state's liberal social welfare programs. If anybody out there has moved across country, even across from one county or city to another, it's not that cheap. So that's a common misconception in part because through the annual point in time count here in San Diego, this is something specific to San Diego's continuum of care. That's the regional task force on homelessness who conducts the count here in San Diego every year. What they do is something different than other COCs in that they ask people when we're doing actual engagement, when we're talking to people during the point in time count, we don't talk to everybody, but when we do, one of the questions is, where did you last live? Where was your last home? Where did you become homeless? And 85% of those people said right here right here in San Diego. So people become homeless in the neighborhoods in which they're familiar. They're people we went to high school with or college with or grew up next door to. Another misconception is that they're bused in from other cities. There's certainly some talk of that, and we see that maybe more so in the migrant populations, et cetera, but that's a common misconception. Also that, you know, why are they living on the streets? Anybody can get um, a housing choice voucher, which is also known as Section 8, if they need it. That's not true. The wait list for Section 8 vouchers here in San Diego is about 15 years. Even if you were lucky enough to get that golden ticket, there's not necessarily places for you to use it. There was a wonderful op-ed in the Union Tribune about a family, the Rashke family, that you may have seen them in the news over the last several months. They're in the city of San Diego. She says, we're parents of, and we've got four kids, and we were homeless for a couple of years because of COVID. They were bartenders. They lost their jobs. There wasn't much for them to do at that time. 
they, you know, eventually had, were living in a van and they talk about how awful some people were to them. And, you know, they don't, if they're just trying to get, just live their life. Yeah. And for the most part, it's getting harder for people to survive. Rents are going up. Everything costs more. It's just a higher cost of living now. And our wages aren't keeping up with that. And most people can't afford a $400 emergency. Someone gets sick and has to go to the hospital. They're facing bankruptcy. A kid has to go to the dentist and they have to have an emergency extraction. Things just aren't the same. We, we aren't built the same way we, we were before. We don't have the same economical structure and stability that we once had. And that's something that really isn't considered and really isn't talked about a whole lot. And, you know, a lot of people are living in their cars and they're still working full time and they just can't afford $2,000 for a single bedroom, single bath apartment or a a studio apartment. It's just, it's getting ridiculous. And that's something that I think a lot of people who aren't facing those issues don't consider. And it's easy to, to just assume the worst rather than to actually consider that, hey, you know what, we need to start thinking about maybe turning things around and, and maybe we should be advocating more for higher wages and fighting a better fight against inflation. Because a lot of that inflation is actually just price gouging by these corporations who can do it because, hey, where else are you going to go for your milk? Yeah. Where else are you going to get your eggs from? Yeah. No, you're right. Absolutely right. I mean, homelessness has been around for a long, long time. You know, you've got the traditional hobos from 1870s, Hoovervilles back in the 1930s. But homelessness today is, I see it as a, it's an issue of poverty, right? And you nail it. I mean, the housing costs are high. There's income inequality. Jobs just don't pay enough to cover your basic needs. Housing costs are really high in part because there's low vacancy rates. There's lack of affordable housing. I always say just because you can doesn't mean you should when it comes to a lot of things, but certainly with market rate apartments, for example. Just this afternoon, I was we were driving at the corner of Spring and Palm kind of across the street from Denny's. You may remember there used to be a motel or a hotel over there that burned down a few years ago. Yeah. And they started building some housing. Now this is market rate apartment housing. And I said, oh, wow, it's like they're now leasing first month free. So I started looking it up and $2,000 would be a great price, Manny. <laughs> the cheapest one they have is a one bedroom, one bath, 641 square foot apartment for $2,475 a month. Wow. And I mean, that's just, that just floors me. And so they didn't have anything on their website about, you know, security deposits and all of that. So I gave them a call and they said their security deposits start at $500 a month. It depends on your credit score. So, you know, maybe somebody, they lost their job, they had a big medical emergency, whatever happened, their credit's not as good as it used to be. Well, okay, so if your credit's not in the seven or eight hundreds and you're down really, really low, sounds to me like your security deposit would be a lot higher. How does that work, right? Why is that fair? Um, but I, 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 just, I just see these apartments and I'm so thankful that I'm the age that I am and that I rented 
when I did, right? I just don't see how anybody can do, or certainly a senior person right now that's living on social security. And if they're lucky, they have a pension. They couldn't even pay that rent. That's more than the average social security every month. So it's out of control, right? It is. It is. No, and it's, you know, quote unquote, affordable housing, but affordable for who? Affordable yeah. compared to what? Um, $2,400 a month for a one bedroom apartment is ludicrous. You know, a single college graduate probably can't afford half of that rent. It's just, it's, there's no visible path forward without doing something to bring the cost of rent down. And as long as we keep allowing these builders to come in and just throw up these huge apartment complexes and just let them charge the going rate that, you know, they want to charge, we're not going to do anything to improve our current situation. And I think that's really where this all needs to start is bringing down the cost of housing in general, whether it's renting or buying a house. If people can't afford it, then what's the point of building it? Honestly. So. Yeah, and, and if I if I may, um, so so the the one I'm referencing on the corner of Palm and Spring is not what is called an affordable housing complex. That one's market rate. La Mesa is doing some good work when it comes to affordable housing. There's a project called 8181 Allison that's Kitty Corner to City Hall. It's the old. La Mesa Police Department site that's actually land that's owned by the city of La Mesa. City Council a few years ago decided that what they wanted to do with that land was have affordable housing units made available for our residents. I think they're opening in 2024, 2025. That's going to be 147 affordable units. They are only going to be available for people who earn between 30 and 70% of what we call the AMI, which is the area median income. And the area median income is, a de is determined for purposes of applicant eligibility for certain housing programs like Section 8. So 30% when it comes to AMI is somebody with an extremely low income. Maybe they only make like $25,000 a year, they would qualify for that. So that's good. That's good news. But yeah, when it comes to quote unquote affordable housing, I like to say who doesn't need their housing to be affordable, but affordability means something different to everybody. I guess that's what I think of when I think of affordable is like, it's something that everyone should be able to afford according to what you're making. I guess that's kind of when you think of housing, that's kind of where it should be is, okay, this is how much you make. This is what you can afford. Let's work with you on that. And that's kind of when housing became a money-making industry, when we turned into rental properties and investment properties, that's kind of when I think the downfall started. And we're kind of in a nosedive and I don't see us working very hard to pull out of it. So residents in La Mesa have vocalized their concerns many times over and obviously want to solve uh, the homeless issue here in La Mesa. However, when it comes to building a new facility or using an existing building as an outreach or housing facility, those same residents seem to have a change of heart. We've often heard some people say, I don't want to live next to that place. Or if we offer these services here, we'll see a dramatic increase in our homeless population. So how do we get past this and get people on board with long-term solutions here in our community? 
Yeah, that's, it's true. That's so true is if you build it, they will come and oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you know, we can't have that. We'd rather step over people than actually have the help available. How do we end homelessness is with homes. I mean, housing ends homelessness. It's kind of that simple. And I think people need to understand what it really is. They need to support new affordable and permanent supportive housing developments in their neighborhood. Would they be opposed to, say, a new skilled nursing facility or a memory care facility? Probably not. Why should something that's different or other, instead of just automatically throwing your hands up and opposing it, learn more about it before we start just saying, not in my backyard? That doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help us. It doesn't help the people who need it. No, and I would I would see that more as an opportunity to show other counties, show other states how we can effectively combat homelessness and the ways that we can offer better services to our homeless community, whether it's mental health services or, as you said, just housing services in general. It would be a great opportunity for us as a small city to kind of work out that issue and and, and create something that other cities could adopt and you know this could be a way to create a system that works across the country but i would see it as an opportunity for us to create something awesome here in our community that we could all be proud of but that's just me so moving on in your time working with the homeless community i would imagine you have learned the best approaches to combating homelessness and providing services that actually make a difference Now, what should La Mesa focus on beyond what we've already established to get a handle on our homeless situation? Thanks for that. You know, I'm I'm not, I've never been a professional outreach worker. I'm just a concerned citizen. I would say City of La Mesa needs to continue doing what they're doing. But as housed residents and those of us that, that can consider opening our homes, renting a room, renting, you know, instead of renting our apartment at market rate, you know, that's something to consider. There's plenty of programs through the County of San Diego that will help landlords, that will work with the client for landlords who may be concerned about, oh, my place is going to get trashed or this not another stereotype because you can have somebody who's not coming out of homelessness going into an apartment who could totally trash your property too. You know, that's that's a big ask. That's a big consideration. And families have to come together and really think that that's something that they want to do. My family has done that. And we have not been, we've not been disappointed. It helped them and we felt good about it. So it's, that's something to consider. It would also be, you know, just be nice to people. If you see somebody you think may be homeless, just give them a smile. Ask if there's any, you know, just talk to them. Um, get to know them. There's plenty of people that we see in um, different areas, different corners of the, the city that we may see on a regular basis, whether it's somebody sleeping on a sidewalk alongside the trolley tracks, somebody we see at the coffee shop we go to all the time. It doesn't hurt just to say hello and, you know, just, just be a good neighbor. Yeah, a little a little bit of humanity goes a long way. And I'm sure many people do. When I go into the store, I'll come out with a bottle of water or some snacks or, you know, some change, a dollar or two. And I know it, it's it's not much and it's not really going to make a huge difference overall. But for that small time, that day, 
you could give somebody a little bit of hope, provide them with, you know, some kind of feeling that people do care and that we do know that they're there. We, we acknowledge them in their existence and, you know, we care about them. And that's, I would say that's the least of, of what we could do. Now, there are a number of options for the residents of La Mesa to get involved. La Masons can volunteer with groups that work with the homeless population, and they can also participate in the We All Count event taking place on January 25th. Can you uh, elaborate on these for us? Yeah, no, thank you, Manny. I would love to have people participate in We All Count 2024. That's the annual point in time count that will take place at 4 a.m. on January 25th. Uh, yes, 2024. We hold that at, I'm the site coordinator for that here in La Mesa. It's our home base is La Mesa First United Methodist Church on the corner of Palm and Lemon. You know, that's the church that's next to Sprouts. A lot of people know that church well. Their kids have gone to school there. Love to see you there. If we're booked and you can't get into the La Mesa site, there are sites all over our county that you can do the count in. And I'd say stick to East County because that's where we're at, right? If you can't get into La Mesa, try Spring Valley, try Lemon Grove. So that is a great, if we're, for people that are just starting to say, you know, I want to learn more about this. I want to see what I can do. That's a great entry point to meet other like-minded people and kind of go out and be your own feet on the street and see what's what's happening. It's nothing to be scared about if people are apprehensive, like, well, I don't want to go out and talk to anybody. You don't have to. You'll be with a team of other people. It could be people that you say, I want to be in a team with these folks. Or you go by yourself, you tell the site coordinator, I don't, you know, I don't know anybody. And that site coordinator will pair you up with people that will maybe do the asking of the questions or they can do the driving. So please don't be afraid to try it out. Other things I would say to get involved would be to pay attention to what's happening in our city, certainly with our city council. The city has something called Notify Me, where you can sign up for when the city council posts um, their agenda before the next city council meeting, you can find out about the citizens police oversight board meetings or the community services commission, any of those. Also great opportunities to get in, involved with the city in general is to volunteer for one of our boards or commissions. I'd say the same thing for the County Board of Supervisors. Pay attention to what they're talking about, what their agenda has. They have a lot of action-packed, very interesting meetings sometimes. And here in um, La Mesa's part of District 4, we have a new supervisor for our district, and that's Monica Montgomery Stepp. So get to know her if you can. Get to know your city council members. They're not scary people. Get to know the city staff. They're all residents just like us. Go to the meetings, even if you don't have anything to say, if there's nothing on the docket that's related to housing or homelessness, just get involved and listen and pay attention. And when you have an opinion about something, you know, tell them because otherwise, you know, you can't complain about stuff down the road if you didn't get involved in the first place. There's a lot of complaining we see on social media sites or a lot of moaning this and that, but it's after the fact and people, this is democracy. This is why, you know, this is, this is how we affect change is by paying attention and, and getting involved. So really easy stuff to do. Yeah, no. And if you wouldn't mind for those who may be interested in participating in the, we all count event, can you just kind of give us a, 
I guess a breakdown or maybe walk us through how that would work. You know, you show up on site and then what happens from there? After you've signed up and you know which location you're going to, let's say you're signed up for La Mesa, you show up at you usually get there around, I ask folks to get there around 3.45 in the morning. We're in the social hall at the church. So you'll walk in, I'll be greeting you and you'll tell me your name and we'll have you connect with your team. And then you just kind of wait for a little bit. We'll have refreshments in the morning, coffee, snacks, that kind of thing. When you've got your team together, everybody's there. The team decides who wants to drive, who wants to count. People have flashlights, you know, who wants to do what? One of the things we do is we have usually some gift cards and socks, some other items for people who we actually have conversations with. Somebody might be the person that holds on to that stuff or hands it out. So once we've got all the teams ready to go, everybody gets at least one census tract. And that's the space that you stay within to do your counting and your engagement. So we don't have double counting, you know, so if I'm on this side of the street, Manny, and you're on the other side of the street, we're probably in two different census tracts and we shouldn't count each other's people if we can see them. So that's it. You stay in your census tract and you drive around and you manually count and engage with people. It's done with an app. Everybody's got their phone. This person's doing that. You count this person. If you're talking to them, you ask them some questions. It drops a pin as to exactly where that person is located. So later in the weekend, some professional outreach workers from the county can hopefully kind of come out and, and engage with those people too. After you're done doing your count, I usually suggest people go a couple times because it's dark in the morning at 4 a.m. Maybe go around if you didn't see anybody the first time. Go back around again as people might start getting up and emerging from wherever it is they might be, you know, under a bush or behind a building. I think it's it's great. It's important for people to do the count in the city in which they live. We know who these people are and we know where they might be. So we might have a better count because of that. And this is where it sounds counterintuitive, but the reason we do this count every year is for HUD dollars. That's the uh, Department of Housing and Urban Development. The count is required for communities to do because that helps determine how much money we get to help pay for addressing homelessness in our communities. So when it's done, you come back, you say, here's my extra stuff. Here's my flashlight back or whatever it is. Uh, we're done. And we say, thank you very much. And, and off you go. And I would encourage people to check with their employers they might get some paid time off to do that volunteer work. It's You might you know, meet some interesting people, some neighbors. Um, we've got county workers um, that participate every year. City council members participate. I've seen council member Colin Parent and Jack Shu participate. I think we'll see them again next year, maybe with a few others. Our police department stands by. Also, just in case, we've never had a problem, but just so you know, they're around if you felt uncomfortable or something were to happen our police department has a few officers that they participate in there on board and the home team is out there too so they're doing the count right alongside you it's a really rewarding experience yeah sounds like a great opportunity for some uh community involvement which hopefully i'll be able to 
participate in that this year. This would be this is the first time I've honestly ever heard of it. So yeah, I, I look forward to spending some time getting to know some community members that I may not know and helping out in any way I can. But I would like to thank you for uh, talking with us again today, Bonnie. Are there any resources you would like to share or any final words you'd like to offer our listeners? Oh, wow. There's a zillion things to read and pay attention to out there. There's, there's a lot of books. There's, you know, there's things at the federal, state, and, and local levels. I would encourage people to visit the our, our Facebook page, the East County Homeless Task Force Facebook page, which is ECHTF on there and maybe it can be in the show notes but sign up for our newsletters we send out a newsletter once a month that's got information about you know what we're doing what we're hearing things that are going on in sacramento things that are going on locally just just kind of you know um, some of the highlights that we've come across in our research so i would encourage that but like i said earlier i think more than anything just you know be kind and understand that People really don't want to be homeless. <laughs> For the richest country in the world, this is just really, this is a crisis of our own making, um, and we can change it. We can have housing for everyone. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, well, that's it for this episode. Andy Trimlett and Josh Crimston produced this podcast. And as always, a big thanks to Jordan Crimston for composing our theme song.